Ipse podcast. We are Ipse, the independent regulator of the majority of newspapers and magazines in the UK. I'm your host, Vicky, and I'm joined today by Ipse's head of standards, Charlotte Irwin, and our special guest, Hardeep Singh, who is the deputy director of the Network of Sikh Organisations. Uh, the Network of Sikh Organisations is a registered charity that links more than 130 UK Gurdwaras and other UK Sikh organisations in active cooperation to enhance the image and understanding of Sikhism in the UK. We're going to be talking today about the reporting of Sikhism because the Network of Sikh Organisations has produced some guidance for journalists who want to get a clearer understanding of Sikhism and we have published this on our new external resources page. Uh, say, Hardy, do you want to tell us a little bit about how the guidance came about? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, this came about a couple of years ago. Um, it was a, a meeting with Charlotte Dewar and Charlotte Irwin, um, almost yeah, July 2017. Yeah, it was. Um, I kind of think of it as the Charlotte Squared meeting. Um, <laughs> but it, it kind of formed uh, part of Ipso's sort of broader enga engagement with faith communities. Um, and our goal as a charity to sort of help improve uh, religious literacy with reference to Sikhism in, in the media. So tell us a little bit about what's in the guidance, Hardy. So I guess what, what we, when we met, um, when I met Charlotte and Charlotte, um, we discussed kind of a few issues around sort of some of the uh, kind of problems around community engaging with the press and vice versa. Um, and there's a sort of the question of, um, I think, um, community leaders came up, which is a sort of term that's often kind of banded around. And I'd, I'd sort of argue that um, many in my community would probably consider themselves community leaders. So there's plenty of leaders, but just not enough Sikhs. Um, <laughs> the, the reality is that journalists need punchy and timely quotes. And sometimes it takes a bit of time to kind of find out exactly who to speak to. Um, so what this guide offers um, is sort of the contacts for national Sikh organisations who can help signpost to the most appropriate person for comment on a particular story. So I think that's, you know, a real benefit um, of this guide. Um, I think there's there's another thing, and it, and it came up in our sort of discussions previously, but there's a, a broader theme here around religious literacy more mm -hmm. generally in society. Um, and we recently had the case of the mayor of the West Midlands who stood outside one of the biggest gurdwaras in Birmingham um, and referred to it as a Sikh mosque. Incidentally, one of the FAQ style sections in the guide is where do Sikhs worship? So again, you know, that's kind of been addressed in, in this guide. I think it's important to nurture a basic understanding of, of religion and religious symbols and significance of various religious festivals. Um, and I, I'd sort of I, I think journalists without a specialism in religion uh, may not, for example, know um, who founder of Sikhism is, um, what the foundational scriptures are called, um, or why Sikhs wear turbans and other symbols. Um, now, this guide helps bridge any gap and offers the basics um, for, for journalists, but it also provides references and recommendations for further reading um, for those who want to delve further into Sikh theology, po um, polity or practice. So I must say, having having read the guidance, actually, I thought it was a really kind of great summary of, mm -hmm. you know, some of the key things that you might not know about Sikhism, but but also kind of that signposting to wider things if you wanted to find out was also really useful, but kind of a really great way of like dipping into like the key things that you would want to know about. Um, I mean, I certainly kind of learned quite a bit just from, from reading the guidance as well. So, I mean, I hope that 
um, journalists as well who are writing about Sikhs, and this could be kind of like a great gateway into finding out more information. Um, and it's really one of the first pieces on our kind of new external resources page. So I'm going to ask Charlotte actually to to tell us a little bit about this kind of this new web page that we've set up. Yeah, so I was interested, Harvey, that you sort of talked about journalists needing timely information. You know, it's something that we hear a lot from our journalist panel and you know, going out to newsroom and from editors and others. You know, we all know that this is a very busy world in which we live. We're all very busy, busy bees running around. And what we're really trying to do with this external resources page is almost create a kind of one-stop shop for journalists who want to get additional information about a particular subject that they're writing on or who want to know um, perhaps somebody to go to speak to about a particular topic again something Hadi, that you've already mentioned and that's really what we're trying to do with the page now to be clear it's not you know that what we've got on this page is information that other organizations so organizations other than ipso have produced so for example we've got um, information from the samaritans about the reporting of suicide we've got information about the reporting of uh, domestic violence from Level Up, we've got information about um, reporting mental health from alt charities and working in those sorts of fields. We've got a huge range of topics covered in this, all from external organisations, all organisations that want to sort of help journalists, want to help journalists sort of build understanding and all of that. But it's not guidance from IPSO, so it's not about how to comply with the code, though I would hope that having a look at these sorts of resources will help journalists to comply with the code, particularly clause around, around accuracy and, you know, taking care in terms of um, producing accurate content. But that's really what this page is. But of course, you know, it's a work in progress. So if anybody listening to this podcast is thinking, well, my organisation's leaflet isn't on there, please do let us know here at IPSO. We're really keen that it's very much a kind of a live, useful resource for journalists. So as I say, if you've got something that's not on there, do let us know. And was that your kind of intention when you were pulling together this guidance, Harvey, to kind of just lay down a bit of info for, for journalists and hope that they will kind of make more contact with the community? No, absolutely. And I think we've we, we sort of provided, um, you know, obviously the, the, the journalists have given us their feedback and editors um, through yeah, because you did, you did a public consultation, didn't you, to produce this guidance? Yeah, we also spoke to the journalist advisory panel about it as well, which was a really helpful conversation. Mm. So what, did you speak to a lot of editors and, and journalists while you were kind of doing that consultation about what they wanted to know as well? Yeah, that, that was a kind of exercise conducted by IPSO, but separately we spoke to kind of journalists yeah. that we, we knew. Um, and some of the sort of themes that, you know, we've addressed um, and not shied away from actually in this guide are, you know, some, some more controversial aspects and I mean some of the for example some of the issues that um, Sikhs have faced um, is how they have been perceived ever since 9-11 mm. um, which um, sort of heralded, heralded a, an ordinate um, kind of focus um, sort of almost obsessional on, on um, Islam in the media um, and to I'd say to the detriment of other faiths who got less coverage mm. um, so during this time um, there's been these sort of challenges to Sikh identity um, which has often been misunderstood um, and at times conflated with the appearance of Islamists like Osama bin Laden. Um, and, you know, that's kind of resulted in real consequences for British Sikhs, um, you know, physical and verbal attacks um, and other, other non-Muslims too, uh, as well as the Muslim community. So in the reporting press, there's been issues around misidentification um, of images of those um, resembling Sikhs or of Sikhs with, with uh, Muslim community um, and an article sort of springs to mind the perils of 
flying whilst Muslim um, is one that in particular that I think it was a couple of years ago now, um, which is relevant in this regard. It's therefore really important for journalists to um, firstly tell uh, stories accurately um, and for sort of accompanying images and graphics and to be to be accurate as well, but also to have a grasp of issues and controversies. Um, and I hasten to add, this is a title of one of the sections in the guide. So we've not kind of shied away from some of these things. One of those other issues, and, and I know um, Charlotte would, would be aware of this, um, would be related to sort of the language that some journalists use, grooming gangs in particular, um, like Rotherham and Rochdale, and the, and the use of the word Asian to describe perpetrators has and continues to cause disquiet amongst Sikhs and Hindus. And I can imagine that um, Japanese, Chinese and Korean people wouldn't be too happy with it either. It may not have been upheld on accuracy grounds um, in a complaint to Ipso, um, but it's a vague and problematic term nevertheless. Um, um, and I'd argue it's a bit like saying that Europeans were responsible for the Holocaust. This year, um, and again, this is a section in the controversies and issues, um, Sikhs are marking the 35th anniversary of the military assault on the Golden Temple in Amritsar um, and the subsequent Delhi anti-Sikh pogroms um, and sort of victims and families are still seeking justice. So all of these key issues um, and controversies are included in the guide. So journalists have a basic understanding of some of the uh, issues mm. relevant. I think, you know, I think that's really important. Like, as you said, even where something may not come up as being covered under the editor's code of practice, um, it's really important that kind of people have a, have an awareness of how these things might impact on the community mm. and just to kind of be thoughtful about it. And the, the thing that I really enjoyed about reading your guidance was that it was really kind of thought provoking and it just kind of made me think a little bit more about kind of how I was thinking about things. And I, you know, I would really hope that, um, journalists who are interested in learning more about this would, would find it useful in that way. So we've talked around some of the challenges about reporting Sikhism. And, you know, would you agree with that, Charlotte? Um, kind of reporting of religion is something I think that we talk, talk a fair bit about here. And I know that um, some people might know that we're also doing a bit of work at the minute around um, guidance on reporting on Islam. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about kind of Ipso's work in that area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right, Vicky. We've certainly had quite a few conversations at our journalist panel and elsewhere about the reporting of religion. I think, you know, one of the one of the challenges, one of the ways in which we've really been trying to approach this is by recognizing that, of course, of course, faith is extremely important to an individual, but is not cannot ever be the only characteristic characteristic that defines them as a person. And I think sometimes when we're talking about faith or we're talking about people of, of, with religious faith, whether we're journalists or individuals, we have a tendency to reduce people down to that faith without recognising that complexity. And I think for me that really comes across then, if you're a journalist, thinking about, well, of course, there may be agreement on particular tenets of a particular faith, but people may then add in cultural interpretations, or there may be different interpretations. And it is that complexity that we require journalists to navigate when they're reporting on religion in general. And I think that can be very challenging. Hardeep, you, you know, I, I, your remark about them, there being lots of community leaders and not enough Sikhs did make me laugh, but I think it also got to a really important point about, we sort of tend to look at groups of, uh, of people of faith um, 
as being uniform and the same and that there is one person that you can go to for a particular interpretation. Again, that's often not the case either. And it's about for trying to understand people's particular experiences. Not all religions are organised in the same way, not all hierarchical, for example, on those sorts of issues. So I think there are differences in structures and approaches. And I think for me, really, it's about trying to help journalists to comply with it. That's, you know, that's what we, we hear about in terms of the standards function is around monitoring compliance with the code and helping journalists to comply with the code. And that's really what we're trying to do with guidance. And I think in the area of religion, there are particular complexities, but many of the questions actually are not dissimilar to those in other areas. You know, how do you produce accurate content? Where do you go for particular opinions? How do you provide contextualizing information? How do you take care about accuracy? How do you talk about individuals of faith? All those sorts of questions are, are important ones, but again, they're ones that apply in many different circumstances. And I think religion, you know, it's really important that we do, that journalists do report on religion, that we do have conversations about religion, because religion is key to where, you know, sort of whole historical development, but also absolutely to the daily news. Mm. And, you know, also those kind of very challenging sometimes conversations mm -hmm. about religion that play out in the media are really important. But I mean, what we want to see as Ipso is obviously kind of accurate reporting yeah. on them. Um, and certainly I'm sure you would agree, Hardy, you would agree, uh, Charlotte, that you know we shouldn't be shying away from kind mm -hmm. of interrogating, from scrutinizing, from challenging, but we need to do so in a way that is accurate and which complies with the editor's code. Um, you know, and as Charlotte said, that is um, the whole point of both kind of Ipso's own guidance and the guidance, the external guidance that we've put up as well. We've talked about challenges. What what do you think good reporting of Sikhism might look like, Hardy? It's not too much of a difficult question. No, it's a great question. I just want to echo um, sort of some of Charlotte's points around looking at various religious groups are one big monolith and that's a very big mistake obviously because of all the nuances around belief and culture and how all these things influence each other and it, it takes me back to um i think it was in lambeth palace uh, uh, many moons ago with a former archbishop of canterbury um making a comment around um if assuming that other religious groups have a similar hierarchy to the clergy mm. um and uh, he said that would be wrong so um i wouldn't be looking for a vicar in a turban um and that kind of really sort of resonates with me still today and the, these are the sort of challenges that journalists have every day you know um but in terms of challenges around reporting Sikhism and what what um i think is what, what does good reporting look like i think so in terms of challenges um it works two ways i mean it, it's about positive engagement from the community with the media and vice versa. So I think there's a responsibility incumbent on Sikhs themselves um, to engage better. Um, I think some groups are doing some good work uh, in this regard. And I think good journalism is predicated on reporters' access to accurate information, which is reliable, credible, particularly when writing about complex matters. Mm -hmm. um, and we believe this guide um, helps provide this. I think there are ongoing challenges, particularly around accuracy. Um, uh, this is something that sort of um, Charlotte has kind of stressed as well. That would you know apply across the board, whatever the subject. Um, there have been some issues, and I think it's related to the coverage of Asaki, which is a major Sikh festival. Um, and it was described in a newspaper caption as the Sikh New Year. Um, and a clarification was later made um, to say that it represented the birth of the Khalsa. I think there's a, there's a sense that Sikhism remains 
very much unrepresented in the media. This needs to change so the wider public can get a get a bit of a flavour of its uplifting, tolerant e and egalitarian teachings and, and moreover understand issues and challenges faced. Um, and I think that's something that we need to, again, the responsibility right, lies with the community as well. Mm, I find it really interesting that you say that, actually, because, um, say, kind of in the past year, we have been doing a lot of um, visits to mosques to prepare for our um, kind of guidance on Islam and it's actually one of the things that a lot of the people that I've met there have said to me as well that you know the community must also engage with the media as well as the media engaging with the community. Yeah, that makes absolute sense I mean um, uh, I think one of the other challenges that applies across faiths um, is for the reporting press to understand nuances of smaller groups that mm -hmm. associate with a broader kind of faith tradition so um, which may have slightly different um, set of rules or uh, codes um, and would perhaps be viewed as a sect or say a new religious movement um, and these kind of schisms again apply across the board um, an example of which I think is relevant is 3HO which is healthy happy holy organization they identify Sikhs um, but have a focus on practicing kundalini yoga and they come from various ethnicities um, white black hispanic Punjabi Indians like me their, their practices have appealed to celebrities so you kind of had uh, Russell Brand, Seal, Belinda Carlisle and Alicia Keys. Have you got any good examples of uh, positive reporting, what you'd consider to be positive reporting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there was a, uh, last year, Ellis Sandford from the Coventry Tele Telegraph did an excellent piece on Vasaki, um, and it was accurate. It made clear distinction between the cultural festival of Vasaki, which marks the harvest season, um, with the Sikh festival commemorating the birth of the Khalsa, um, sort of a fraternity open to all set up by the 10th Guru, Guru Gobind Singh in 1699. Um, on sort of Sikh issues, slightly more complicated issues, um, there was a wonderful piece in the Telegraph last year by Olivia Rudgard with the headline, swearing on a holy book makes a mockery of religion, Sikh leaders say. Um, and this was with reference to um, recommendations made in the Judicial College College's Equal Treatment Bench Book um, and its guidance for judges, um, essentially, um, and um, which suggested Sikhs could swear an oath on the Sundar Gutkar, which is an extract of the Guru Granth Sahib. Mm -hmm. um, it outlined the position of our charity, um, making the point that a truly religious person would be inclined to tell the truth irrespective um, of an oath. That is a good point. Um, <laughs> and it was fascinating because it went on to compare with other faiths, and um, I discovered some Christians also don't swear on a holy book. Um, because of the pass a, a, a passage in the New Testament um, in which Jesus instructs um, his followers during the Sermon of the Mount, um, make no oath at all. Um, so there's probably lots of other examples, but those two definitely stand out yeah, for me. That's very interesting. Um, and Charlotte, because it's CSA podcast, we obviously, you know, we should do a bit, bit of a chat about the Editor's Cave. Um, so just a reminder to people, if you're, if you're writing about religion, what should you consider in terms of the code? Yeah, so to my mind, I mean, I think there are two key clauses of the code that we're talking about when you're talking about the reporting of religion. We've talked quite a lot about accuracy already, but I think it really goes to the heart of a lot of what we've been talking about today. And really, that's the requirement to take care. You know, in the code, it's expressed not in a way of sort of taking care not to report, not to publish inaccurate or misleading information. So if we flip that around, really, it's about taking care to report accurately. And that, for me, really is as much about the process that journalists go through to produce content as it is also then about how it's presented. 
I think both of those aspects are really key. So, you know, we've talked about, for example, how do you find find somebody who's able to give you an opinion, recognising that there may be very many different opinions about a particular issue. How do you um, perhaps contextualise information, reference sources, those sorts of things. I think all of that is part of, can be ways in which journalists can show that they've taken care to publish accurate information. I think the other bit that we haven't really talked about today, which I think is also relevant, those clause 12, which is the discrimination clause of the code, which is really saying, and this, again, to, to sort of simplify it slightly for the purposes of, of the podcast, it's really saying that, you know, you shouldn't make pejorative or prejudicial reference to an individual's religion. That would include the fact uh, their the, um, Sikhism. Um, and also that the person's religion should only be mentioned if genuinely relevant. You know, and I think that those are two really key questions. So for me, if you're writing sort of, if you're writing about an individual, it's about thinking about in what context are you referencing their religion in the same way that you think about the context in which you're referencing other personal characteristics, and is it re genuinely relevant to the piece that's being written? Um, thank you both very much for, for joining us today in the podcast. Um, really fascinating chat as always. Hardy, how can people get in touch with you or the network of SEEK organisations if they want more information? Go to our website, uh, www.nsouk.co.uk. Um, you can also email us, um, info at nsouk.co.uk, or find us on Twitter. The handle is at SeekMessenger. And Charlotte, tell us where we can find the webpage. Well, funnily enough, it's uh, on our website in the section for publishers and journalists. It's handily titled External Resources, as you would expect. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, my guidance isn't on the website and it should be bad ipso, um, do get in touch either with myself or with my uh, standards officer, Rosemary. Our email addresses are on the page. We're really, really happy to add more information to that section. And as always, do let us know your thoughts about this podcast. So we are at It's A Knees and we are on Twitter and Facebook. And hopefully join us again soon.